Hey guys, welcome back to the One Broke Actress Podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you episode 10 of season 9. Here we are. We have two more episodes left in this season. So I want to make sure you guys, if you have been listening all along and you have not yet gone to rate and review this podcast, I realized a lot of you don't actually know how to do that. And that's totally fine because I probably have never told you. But if you could go on Apple Podcasts, you can do it on your computer or you can do it on your phone and you just look up the podcast and you go to rate and review and you click five stars and then you leave a couple sentences uh, about how great the podcast is and what it's done for your career. And you know, I would really like that because I'm recording this intro on my birthday, July 8th, and it would be a great birthday present if you reviewed the podcast and then sent it to me. That's a that's a really good idea. You guys should definitely do that. <laughs> I hope you guys are keeping up on at One Broke Actress on Instagram. I have been sharing a lot more stuff. And as the podcast comes to a close, I plan on creating some extra video content for you guys in there. Um, when we wrap the podcast, we'll definitely have some more time to add in some extra things. So with that being said, let's get to today's podcast. Today's guest is Edward Hung. Edward was recommended to me by Ashley Platts. You guys heard her episode last season and you loved her. So I think you're going to equally love Edward. We start off with a very, very different conversation about brand marketing and self-marketing in a way that I have personally never thought of but loved hearing about. We really get into the pandemic today, guys. So buckle up. We talk about is acting even something we can do at this time? If you're not doing voiceover work, what can you be doing? And if you are considering voiceover, what you can be working on and focusing on, where to put your money. We really get real about where he's putting his energy and what he's considering. And we talk a lot about what we think the timeline is going to be for things to actually happen again. Now, if you are in a place where you don't feel so great right now, this is not exactly a 100% uplifting episode because... To be honest, guys, it's not looking great that we are going to go back to work for real. I think there's going to be outliers, and we talk about that in this episode. There's going to be projects that do get made, but they are going to be the exception and not the rule. However, as actors, I think we are used to being the exceptions and not the rules. So I think that there is something we can find here that's kind of awesome. So without further ado, please enjoy Edward Hung. Edward, hi. Do you go by Edward? Edward is good, yes. Oh, great. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. We have a myriad of things we could possibly talk about, but I want to start out with mm-hmm. who you are and what it is you do. So if you want to give me a little Cliff's Notes version of your bio. Great. Uh, my name is Edward Hong. I'm an actor. I've been doing this for about over a decade professionally here in Los Angeles. The thing that people most identify, identify me by is being known as the Cinnabon monster because I market myself with the Cinnabon company. Uh, I've been doing that for the past eight years with actually surprising successful results. Uh, In the beginning, it would just be making Cinnabon design postcards to send out to casting and production. And then eventually got known that I was the guy who would market himself with a fat pastry product. And then it kind of like went from there where then I met the CEO of the time. Her name is Kat Cole at the time. Um, and she, and we had a three hour meeting and she was just curious about what I was all about. Cause we, before that even happened, we had like a social media relationship with the company itself through Twitter and on Instagram. And so when she came to Los Angeles through, and we were, we were set up by a friend who deals with entrepreneurs and he knew about my Cinnabon obsession. He was like, let's make this meeting happen between the two of you. And so we did. And then, you know, what was supposed to be just an hour long talk of just like, hey, so what are you all about? Became a three hour conversation about like life and dreams and what do you want to do with your future and all that great philosophical stuff. (laughs) And then not too long after that, it was like around 2015. Yeah, 2015, uh, they were making a film, not Cinnabon, but like uh, there was a film that Dakota Fanning was in called Please Stand By. And there was a role literally called the Cinnabon guy. And so I remember my friends being like hopped up in jazz when they saw the breakdown and be like, dude, you need to audition for this. You need to do something about this. And I was like, yes, of course. And so, um, so then I went out of my way to not only tell Cinnabon that I'm, I want to go for this part, but also, you know, uh, sending a Cinnabon postcard to the producers, the casting director and the director 
that I was very interested in this part. And then so I got the audition like like a week after they already auditioned the part. Um, and then I did the thing and then I found out a week later I got it. And then when I shot it, you know, three months later, uh, the producers tell me the reason why I got the part was that they saw the postcard that had the Cinnabon marketing that I had with it. And then they were like, holy crap, who is this guy? Why is this guy so obsessed with Cinnabon? Do we have someone already? So they contacted the casting and they're like, do we have someone already? And he's like, well, yeah, I kind of have this one guy. I think he's great for it. Well, you saw Edward, right? He's like, yeah, you know, he was, he was all right. He's like, well, we're going to have Edward. And they're, they're like, oh, okay. And so then I became hired. And that's how I got what? So wait, so wait, hold on. I have a question. So you were just in the beginning of this, you were like, I really like Cinnabon. And so, so I'm just so, going to tie myself up with it. Like how, how do you even get this kind of branding? No, this is great branding ideas. I love <laughs> it. Like, how do you even get to this place? Did you so, just really like them? It got to the part, not because like, I just thought of it randomly, but it was something that, you know, for as long as I've been in LA and also before LA, like, I would always be obsessed with it. It was always like a thing. Like, you know, everyone to some degree either knows about it or likes it or hates it to some passion degree. There's some <laughs> varying levels of it. I am obsessed in, you know, that I actually really like this product. And so I would always talk about it and I always be like, you know, every time I went to a Cinnabon, I would always make a post about it. And eventually someone was just like, you know, you should just like market yourself with the company. That was how it all started like over eight years ago. And okay. I, you know, she told me this and I was like, I think that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Why would anyone market themselves with a pastry product? And she's like, you should just give it a shot. You know, that's what you actors do, right? You guys just market yourself to try to get cast, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. So what do you got to lose? Is anyone else doing it? I'm like, no, because no one is stupid enough to do it. And then I was thinking about it overnight and I was like, all right, I'll be stupid enough to do it. And then it turned out pretty well because I would send, you know, if casting booked me on a project, I would send them like a Cinnabon gift card or literally send them a box of Cinnabons. And then they would just be like, this is great, but it's also terrible for my dieting because, you know, it is 900 calories for one Cinnabon. I mean, so, listen, they, they are delicious, but this yes. is just like ingenious branding too. So <laughs> that also tied into like what I'm really good at as an actor. And I know a bunch of like a ton of actors, that's how they're successful. But I'm like obsessed with like statistics and like tracking. And so like, I've become known also like creating like this Excel sheet, which now at this point, um, companies have even branded in terms of like, you know, uh, where actors track the casting offices that they've seen yes. and like how many times and all that kind of stuff. So I was already doing that before it became the cool thing to do. I was doing it on the Excel sheet and just like, like a nerd, like, hey, like oh, I saw this office with this role and that was great. And so then I would send these Excel sheets to agents or potential agents or managers. And then they would just look at them and be like, wow, this is a very easy sheet of people that, you know, mm. is good to know who we have relationships already and we can bank on or the ones that you need to be seen more because it's been like four or five years since you last saw that office. Well I love that you sent these to reps because I feel like uh, a lot of us keep them. Like I have the similar thing and I have like my like to-do list of like shows I watch that haven't gone out for yet, that kind of thing. Um, but I've never sent them to my reps. I, I think that's a great idea actually. Yeah. And your current reps, you can, I tend to send them every like half of like six months. So then they always get like an updated tracking of like, oh, here's the updated casting track. So I do that for both commercially and theatrically. So that, you know, they just have an idea of big casting offices. This is really great, I think, to talk about just for a little bit because I don't, I think a lot of actors assume that their agents keep these lists about them. No, they don't. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> it's like your agency has like, you know, you're out of one out of like, a, you know, 80 or 90 or, you know, especially if you have bigger agencies, like I don't know how many actors so they're not going to, you know, they're not going to keep track of that. So it's just like on the actor's part to do their own work. And that's always just like the common belief I have, no matter how hardworking your agent and manager is in the end, you know, if they only get like 10, 15% of what you earn. That's kind of like, in a way, that's how much work they put in as well. So mm -hmm. you as the actor put in the 90% of the work to make your career happen. 
And so, I mean, yes, I know there are managers agents who are like super passionate and gung-ho and they do everything for their clients. But for most of us, I don't think that's the kind of representation we have. So we have to be the gung-ho people to make our careers happen and to make the connections happen. And then so, in, in, you know, if our agent is, you know, is a good conduit where it's like, oh, they, was, they were able to get that one addition that we weren't able to get, great. But we put in all the legwork for the rest of the things to happen. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about this 90% for a second, because that's really important to a lot of us, especially right now when that's something we could be working on. I think oh, there's a lot, of, yeah, a lot of time that. and space. So what, what accomplishes your 90% of the work? <sighs> so we have your spreadsheets. We have your yeah, tracking so and data. This, so I have to put a warning that like this, this worked um, before the pandemic and we'll definitely get into what is it like during the pandemic because mm-hmm. it is a whole different world. So I'll address what I did before the pandemic, the 90% okay. of work. And so it's usually like, um, the number one thing is to finding your branding or marketing. And that's not necessarily like, you know, like, oh, I'm the quirky, cute girl. I'm like the the badass kind of guy. You know, there's always like, I've seen those one sheets that actors do. They're like, oh, if they're like, you know, if they're on a magazine, what would they be cast as? And like, what TV shows would they be on? I never believe in that not to say they're not good or bad it's just i never found any use to it because i believe that as an actor you could be on any tv show it doesn't matter you could be on a cw show you could be on an indie film with wes anderson like it just depends on what you want to do or what they see you as and Mm -hmm. so i didn't care about like oh this is shows that they see me on um or nor like the types of it i know you know we're people tell us that we have to be concerned with like What's our zero casting? Like, what could we be casting tomorrow? Like, if someone looks at you right now and be like, okay, I see you. And like, um, this is what I get as impression. And which is cool and all. And and I do think there's value in that. But I think it's also important to know that, you know, as actors, we are supposed to be trained to do a lot of things. So you, Sam, are like, I need you to be like a drug lord tomorrow. Be like, shit, all right, uh, I'll be a drug lord. What kind of drug lord do you want me to be? Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, these are the things that, you know, I don't consider. And so what I then considered, and that's where the Cinnabon marketing came in, is just like, what are you passionate about? And I think that can show in your marketing. And this is like, once again, this this is a sort of advice that came before, like the whole postcard thing sort of started becoming irrelevant because, mm-hmm. you know, now with social media, I've become a, a big foothold for a lot of casting that you don't necessarily have to send postcards uh, because now no one really looks at it. Because I remember my distinct memory, this was like a year and a half ago. I always remember, it was like, a, it was at a casting office. I was just sitting there. And then there was the assistant who got all the mail and all the postcards. And then, you know, it was just like this quick, 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 quick file through. And I saw some like, oh, I recognize the actor. Oh yeah, that's my friend. And then da And I went in the trash can. And I'm like, oh, mm. that's, that's, that's really comforting. And then they all went in the trash <laughs> And only the assistant saw it. No one else saw it. And I'm like, oh. Uh, oh. Uh-huh. And then I did have to ask the assistant. I'm like, hey, I don't want to like tell you what to do with your job, but like, why did you? Why did that go in the trash? He's like, well, look, like our my boss told me that like he only take uh, pays attention if you know because he's a Twitter you know maniac. So if actors tweet him, he's more likely to look at tweets than it is you know for a, a postcard because a postcard he's just like he's like he's like, got to look at it. Then he has to deal with either the hand, terrible handwriting or some sort of like mumbo jumbo gibberish of like, oh, I did this project. And he's like, I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> now, mind you, that's just one casting office. I know there are casting offices right. like, I love postcards. I love letters. And, you know, I always go, do you love them? I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> right. but, but back in the days, you know, before Twitter and, you know, Twitter and all those stuff like really took a foothold, postcards did work and the Cinnabon thing did work because it was just like, it was a unique marketing, a unique branding of sorts. And so then other people started to do it of like, you know, if they were like passionate about books, then like I, you know, this one girl I know had like a ton of books and she put them all on the floor and she just lied on the books and she was just like, yeah. And it was, and then she had a good photographer take pictures while she was just like, you know, smothered in books. And it was effective because then people were like, oh, um, and she was like, you know, she was like, oh, you're a great, like a uh, professor type or you're a great, like teacher type. And 
they already had like their impressions of that. Yeah. And so that helped like other actors in terms of doing that. And that was, so that's part of 90%. The other is, it's just like, uh, I always, you know, like to think that you, every day you think of things to further your career in terms of again, outreach to another person. So it's like, you know, this is once again, pre-pandemic, it's like, you know, there are film festivals happening, there's plays happening in your area, you go watch that play or film festival. And if you found a, uh, a particular show that really, really excited you because you really liked it, then you go out of the way to like, you know, whether you like, let's say it's a play, you go out to meet the director, or even if it's not like a long interaction, just in like a contact. And then finding that director's like email address or contact because they always have some sort of like official website mm-hmm. to show, showcase their work. And so it's just like you just reach out and be like, hey, I met you earlier that evening. I really loved your play, you know, and so this and you don't even have to say I'm an actor because chances are, you know, when a director gets contacted by someone, they're probably an actor. So it's kind of redundant for someone to go, I'm an actor and I think you should consider me. You don't have to do any of that. You just go, hey, <laughs> you're a great, you know, I love your work. I'm excited to see more of yours. And then to make it clear that you're an actor is that when in your email, you have like a signature that has like your headshot or some sort of photo mm-hmm. and like your website and then your demo reel. It becomes like a one-stop shop like place where they can go, oh, you're an actor. I can see all your stuff right there. Yeah, and I so- will say most of the time, most of us don't need to say we're actors because, um, they know. <laughs> they know, they know. <laughs> we're a little obvious. Um, but email signature, like that's something that's like a little piece. I like like the chunky, tangible, like make at home things you can do and stuff like that. Like that's something that I know a lot of actors don't have. Yes. And then even like, uh, and nowadays Facebook has made it easier where like on Facebook, uh, in your about me section, like you can put in your, like, let's say your actor's access resume link. So then like, you know, even if they're not your Facebook friend, they can see that. So it's just like, it's an easy way to like, they just go on your Facebook or whatever and they're like, oh, there it is. And then click and then it's there. And if you guys didn't, any of you guys don't know what he's talking about. If you go to your actor's access, you can create a private, your own URL link that goes to your resume, like your entire card. (laughs) You should do it. So it's the most convenient way to the point that like, I don't really use my official website anymore because with the actors access link, it's just like oh, everything's there. Your your representation, your credits, your demo reels, you know, slate shots, which you know is kind of useless, but it's it's all there for actors to have. Uh, right, right. And well, and that's what they oh, look man, at all day shot. long, anyways. I know yes. that's what they look at all day long, anyways. Is breakdown services, right? So like showing yes. that you have that piece really put together, I think says sometimes more than a website. Mm-hmm. So that is that pretty much encompasses a lot of the work I did, which is always actively seeking uh, projects that inspired me or things and reaching out to that contact and then just making a habit of like every few months, just like updating them or they update me. And then sometimes some of them become my actual friends, like, you know, to this day for years later. Um, and sometimes it takes a long time to even be cast. And like there's one producer I've been friends with her for like almost a decade. And it was only until like two years ago, she cast me in a commercial and I made a joke. I was like, I've known you for like a decade now. I mean, like eight years at that point. And now I get cast in something. She's like, yeah, it just took eight years for the right project to come along. I'm like, hey, you know, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it's immediate. The, the connections get you something or sometimes it just takes years. And but then I think more importantly, um, as opposed to thinking of the job is just to think of the human connection which is more meaningful in the end. And I think we're going to, this is going to segue into the pandemic life, which now Mm -hmm. is the bigger question of like, okay, at this point, all the things I say is like, this is when we had things going on. There was stuff happening and it was great. And even though it's hard, you know, for myriad of reasons, whether, you know, as an, uh, as a woman or as a trans actor or as a, or as a person of color, Obviously, there were boundaries, but there are ways to like, you know, make it work as much as you can. Mm-hmm. We are now here at this pandemic where we are all on the same playing field. The only ones who have a slight better playing field are the ones who already have established careers, the ones who already are A-listers or the ones who have series, series regular credits to their names and they're on some sort of list. And so I guess about 90 or 80% of us that aren't on that 
we're all on the same level. Whereas just like, we're basically the joke is there's nothing. It's a barren wasteland out there. And that it kind of is because not just for us, but I'm seeing casting offices um, shut down. Like uh, the mo one of the most famous commercial casting offices in Santa Monica, Ocean Park Casting, has been shut down. Like they no longer in business. Like oh, I didn't know that. So that happened about a week ago. Ocean Park um, closed? It's gone. And because, two, and then I heard that two of the casting offices already moved out before the pandemic. And then the other casting offices that were still there, they were just not getting enough jobs. Mm. So they couldn't pay the rent because rent is expensive as hell over yeah. in Santa Monica, especially the big ass building that they need to you know, take care of. And so they closed because they're like, we don't have any jobs. And so casting offices that happened, and then with my agency at DDO, one of the agents left to pursue other careers because she was just like, there's not much happening. So mm -hmm. she went to pursue uh, finishing her schooling because that was bigger. That was her bigger priority, which has then become a question that my agent even asked his clients. It was like, you know, there are going to be jobs and I'm going to do my best to find you those jobs. But if you have like a career passion about that you felt like it was unfulfilled, like you know, you didn't finish your, you know, he said it like your real estate license or your, or you wanted to finish grad school, but you hold, held it off because you wanted to be an actor. Honestly, this will be the time to do it because there's not much happening. And yes, there are additions where it's like, you know, you know, there are series regular additions here and there, but even then he was like, it's going to be a big question mark if they even shoot, like art isn't actually going to be shooting um, unless it's like a gig that shoots in like Taiwan or like, you know, a country that is doing much better with the pandemic, but those don't come often all the time. And yeah. Then like, and we don't know what travel restrictions are going to look like soon, by the we, way. <laughs> the only thing we do know is that they're not letting any Americans go into Europe. So if it's right. a European and it's project, what today's June 29th and yeah. we thought we would be clear by now. So I know hey. <laughs> it's, it's been like over three months and it feels like now we're, back at the beginning because we have to restart everything because now I think now the current administration is starting to take it seriously and be like, okay, maybe we should wear masks. Maybe we should do then. You know, uh -huh. I got my own thoughts about the administration. <laughs> oh, yeah. but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go, yeah. but anyway, so, um, <laughs> but the pandemic has reduced us all into the part where it's like, okay, what do we, what can we do? What can yeah. we possibly do? And so, this is where it becomes a little tricky and so there i have no right answer nor does anyone really even before the pandemic but for me i know personally that in terms of opportunities there are a lot more there is a lot more voiceover opportunities than there are on camera opportunities because mm -hmm. animation you know people can do that remotely it might take longer but at least they can do all that stuff especially if the show is like computer general like you know cgi or whatever yeah but when it comes to that, I noticed that like even the on like so I I learned that you are also part of John Roosevelt and I mm -hmm. I am and was to like tonight would be no tomorrow would be my final class because I'm putting a hold on that and just focusing on voiceover stuff because oh, cool. that's really what most of the opportunities for me look like and so but for those who don't you know they're just asking what can I possibly do I know in the beginning uh, there were all those like self tape challenges all those like, you know, you know, open calls kind of thing. And I did them all. And I was like, you know, like, I think all most of us did too, because we were all like, we want to do something, which is a good mentality to have, to be productive, to always think of what you can do. But then, you know, some, as time went on, it became more and more disheartening where like, I remember sitting on, a, I was listening to a Q&A with Jason Kennedy, the folks who cast NCIS, mm -hmm. and they did their massive NCIS, like, oh, oh my God, everyone did that. <laughs> Everyone did that. And then it was like, you know, they, they had the deadline be due a month later and it was like two and a half weeks in and someone asked them like, you know, how is, how was that going? And they said they received at that point, like, was it 60,000? Like, oh yes. It was 60,000. And they're yeah. like, we're, we can't, we're not going to be able to get through it all. It's just, we just won't. And so then, you know, some actors who haven't turned it in yet and I'm like, Hey, just letting you know, they're probably not going to see your tape because it's just they, they even said so and they're like oh and then of course you know there's the gung home actors who are like you know i'm gonna do it anyway because just in case they see it i'm like man i must have been in this town too long where i'm like 
kid, forget about it. Like, you know, <laughs> they, you, you're worthless. You know, if they, if they don't know you by now, who gives a shit? And so, <laughs> and so I was oh, something. You know, I, well, you know, you get, uh, listen, I'm the same way, right? I'm like, I, you know, I turned it in in the first week and I was like, well, here we go. Throw, throw it out into the ether. But then I'm also like, when's the next time NCIS is going to shoot an episode? Exactly. Like, yeah. Because it's like, there's none of them are shooting me? right now. Yeah. Um, because right now, it, what also is like good to know about the industry and just like, you know, if you have writer friends or like asking them what's going on in the tea world, you know, because now Ellie's trying to shoot things, you know, back up again. And that's been happening since like a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But then all of them have said, like the ones who've addressed me is that they don't know how to write anything. Cause it's like, okay, we can't have physical intimacy. We can't have like, like, how do we do that? Right. Did you hear what the bold and the beautiful is doing? The, 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 the dolls, the dolls for the sex scenes. And oh, like, and they have, uh, so one of, uh, I, have a, I have a friend on the show and her, they're having their uh, significant other be their um, stand-in for their love interest. So her husband has been paid to be a stand-in on set um, to act with her in as like an over-the-shoulder, like for the love scenes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, they got to be creative with that. And with thing with shows with the daytime soap is like, they have that ability because it's, it is pretty much sets. It's like, they can just, you know, yes. use and they it, can keep it all quarantined that, pretty well. Yeah. Pretty so clean. it's like those shows more often than not can, are like, they can survive and they can be shooting stuff, but then it becomes like the more ambitious years or just shows that require outdoor scenes and people in general. And then we get into this weird territory. And then where it's like, then they have to really cut down and they have been, like co-stars and guest stars, that is not becoming, that's not a thing anymore. Where it's just right. like, okay, we just got to stick with our main cast to reduce the number of potential outsiders that could like ruin all of this because all of the series regulars have to, you know, constantly get tested like almost daily. Oh, to- right. And the tests take a while to come back. And like, I have a friend who's working on a, a, a media, a, a, a modified low budget, supposedly next month, right? And she asked if I would come on and be a PA because then I could probably have a role because they're going to be so desperate to get a new body. And it's like, you have to go live there for a month and like live and be in this set making very little money. But she was like, we might get a, we might be able to get you in because we might need bodies. It's like, but where do you draw the line between like, you know, did I come out here to be a PA and try to get it? It's, it's a weird, it's weird. It's weird, and that's why I'm not surprised that even within my own JRS class, as the months went on, more and more actors left LA to be with their family elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because it was like, you know, there's no acting jobs. And, you know, at the time, working as a server was not a reality. And so they're like, I'm not making money and I'm losing money. So I need to go. And yeah. so they left. And so they, we were still obviously doing all Zoom classes that, you know, JRS was doing. But it was just like, a lot of them were just like, didn't see the reality of it. And then there are some actors who are just like, they're just putting the entire year on hold to just, you know, focus on life stuff. Especially it's harder if you're a parent or if you have, you know, if you're a parent or yeah, yeah. For all the parents out there, it's just like your priorities to your kids because you're pretty much, you're, you're the teacher. You're the one who has to do everything. And so to do that and to have an acting career that's not really there is kind of just like, it's on a lower end of your mind and while that's something for people who aren't you know who don't have kids don't really think about but it's still there where it's just like you know as time goes on you know we get more and more antsy because this job is like our identity is tied to our career it's like you know everything we do is tied to it's like you know there's a level of narcissism that's just inherent in our career and so when you can't promote yourself because you got nothing going on then you're like well crap and so the things I was saying about sending postcards and, you know, tweeting to casting, you know, that applied back then does not apply anymore because it's like, they're not in their offices. They're not doing their, most of them aren't doing their jobs. Some casting people I know are like hanging out with their family in Vermont. Like they're not even doing their jobs. It's just, it's, that's just the reality of it. So then that's where it's like, you know, if you were able to have this mentality before the pandemic, will apply especially now during the pandemic which is that like you know going to this acting career and doing this for 
decade now. And I know, you know, obviously there are people, many, many people have done this far more, but I think it was early, it was like four or five years ago and finally started to set in of just like, you know, just like, you know, we, we hear all the time as actors where it's like your job does not determine your happiness. Your, you know, it does not determine your being or your worth as an individual, even though it's really hard because in social media, you see all your friends be like, I booked a series regular or I got tested six times this week. And you're like, I, what's a test? What is that? I don't know what that is. And so, and so you just get, you know, very bogged down by other people's successes. And yes, there are all these great, you know, self-awareness in terms of like, you know, you can't compare yourself to other people's journeys, which is true. Mm-hmm it's it's kind of easier said than done because you're literally staring at that post and then you're just like wow they're hanging out with george clooney that sounds great and it just sounds really really nice and all that kind of well and it makes you question you're like what did uh especially in in acting because we often follow and hang out with people who are similar types um i don't know if you find that but i I noticed recently especially with the whole black lives matter movement i was like my face my instagram feed is so like me and i don't like it and so i went through a whole like purge and you know diversifying of everything that i follow on social media but i think the same falls into the people you hang out with acting wise and i you know it's very easy to look at someone who is doing really well and question your own choices. Like how come they got to that point and I haven't gotten there yet? Like I've been in LA X amount of time and they just got, you know, it's very exactly. easy to, to compare your numbers. It's so easy. And so then the, the bigger challenge that I had to do, and this is where I'm very grateful to my partner because she was, you know, she's probably like the most realist, real person I've ever met in terms of like keeping me grounded. And it's just like, you know, if you can find someone, whether, you know, if it's a family member or a good friend or a significant other who is kind of like your tether, like kind of like someone who keeps you on the ground being like, hey, dude, there's like more to life than just your stupid acting career. There's a lot more to it, honestly. Then it's good to have someone who keeps you on that level. So if it's like I start whining about like, but I didn't get that job. And then she'd be like, okay. And then she'll just stare at me and I'll just be like, all right, so what, what are you, what are you, gonna, what, 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 all right, so what are you sad about again? I'm like, um, I didn't get this job. You got the addition, right? Yeah. Your friend didn't get the addition, right? Because he was bitching to you about it. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Go, go clean the cat litter. I'm like, all right, okay. And so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you do it. You have to have someone, you really have to have someone, whether it's your significant other or a close friend or a family member, like someone to keep you grounded is so important, especially someone who's not an actor. Exactly. And so, um, I was grateful to have that before the pandemic. And I think, you know, if you have those people or just be, you know, that's the hard thing. It's like, especially the actors who live by themselves, like, you know, with this pandemic times, it is extremely difficult, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's just like, you know, especially now where it almost feels like this distorted reality where like, you know, most, we, most of us have friends who probably don't care about any of the safety protocols. So then like they go on and they're like parting it up and you're just thinking, did the pandemic end? Are we, are we free? Are we good? Can I just go out and just be like, wait, no, 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 that's not the case. That's not the case at all. And so for me personally, I have known two friends who have passed from the, who have passed from the virus and so it's like, I'm so I know, sorry. Yeah. And I think for most of us, as time goes on, we will have that story as well. We will know someone who either got infected with the virus and are not dealing with it well, or someone who have died from the virus altogether. And I think um, when that happened, that was my, that, yeah, when, like my first death was like, it was the professor I knew from Virginia when I went to where I went to college and he passed away at the end of end of March, it was like end of March, early April. And that was when I got the phone call that he passed from the virus. And so that was like my wake up call in a sense of just like, you know, like, I'm so passionate about all this acting, like all the self tape challenges. And as soon as that happened, I just stopped caring about it. I was just like, what's the point? Because it's just like, and then I really started to think about it was just like, you know, even if they do see what are they going to do with it? Like, what's the point of all of that? And so that was when I had to like reshift my focus in terms of what really makes me passionate. And so like, you know, there are things where it's like, you know, even if it's non-acting related, it's like, you know, reading books. Cause I realized 
what's books? I don't read books, you know, I just like, I don't do any of that. So then like, I'm starting to read like, even if it's like young adult novels, I'm starting to go through the Artemis Fowl series. And I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. Artemis Fowl. Although, you know, I read a few of them and then the movie came out and I watched the movie. And I'm like, this is nothing like the books. All right, back to the books I go. And so- <laughs> Listen, I can recommend Arlo Finch as well if you've never read those. No, I have never heard do you of that. Know, do you know John August? He, uh, yeah. who's on script notes. He wrote a, a youth series. It's like young adult Arlo Finch. It's fantastic. Okay. Arlo They're Finch all amazing. Um, but anyway, so it's just like once that happened, I was to focus on that. And also like, you know, with, especially for me, I'm also a very heavy theater person. So theater is like, you know, if there's like a true visual, we need to hold more so than like the film industry is the mm. theater. It's right. just like they're just they're they're not gonna be able to do anything at all until probably like next April, which you know, we see like the leaders of the Los Angeles, the biggest theater companies, like if Center Theater Group is saying we're not doing anything until April of twenty twenty one, then that's like a good sign that like, you know, if you're a theater person, you're just not gonna be able to do any theater until then. And so I, you know, I miss theater and that's why like, you know, you know, I, all the theater people I know in New York and Los Angeles we have now resorted to like Zoom theater, which is kind of like, you know, what we're doing, you and I, except theater acting, which is very, you know, it was weird at first and terrible because none of us were prepared. And so we were literally just doing like play readings in our pajamas and not putting any effort into it. And then only now people are like putting like production into it, like, you know, having like costumes and all that. And it's much more entertaining. But then even then, and I'm, you know, my partner's right about this. You know, she's watched, she's, she's watched me do a lot of these Zoom data. And she's like, honestly, I think it seems to be more fun for you guys than it is for us as audience to watch you guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <sighs> it's true. Because then if I watch my friends Zoom stuff, and it's like, even at the best well-acted, just well, you know, rehearsed, prepared ones, it's just still like, you're just watching actors in a box. And yeah, just- I feel like it's more scratching our itch than it is anyone else's. The same way I feel about acting class. Like, I don't think, like, watching it, I don't get the same high I do as when I get to actually do my part. Exactly. Then I'm like, how come nobody reacted the way I did to that scene? I feel like that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's right. It's true. You really have to make do it for you. So I'm so, so you're, you're focusing on voiceover. You're reading yeah. a lot of books. Like, I kind of want people, want to give them some some potential recommendations of to-dos of what they can do at this time. So what are, what voiceover wise, what are you doing to niche down a little bit with that? Um, the voiceover thing, that one, like I was fortunate before the pandemic, like to, you know, this is where it's like, if you have a voiceover agent, you're going to be getting a lot more voiceover opportunities because that's mm-hmm. where most of the things are going to happen. Um, and so, uh, you know, in terms of that, when I realized that that was becoming a thing, I had to like, kind of like beef up, the things I had in my own place. So in terms of like, you know, in terms of getting better mic equipment or getting a isolation shield or those kind of things and still try to make it manageable because I know that I don't have the budget to spend like $30,000, $40,000 on a professional home studio and then just not going to happen. But then it's funny that like, you know, you start listening to the voiceover, you know, like the radio spots now, you know, they're talking about the pandemic. It's always the same stupid tagline of like, in these troubling times, in these like, you know, these harsh times, in these unpredictable moments. It's, it's always, it always starts out with that stupid thing. Mm-hmm. But I can start telling that they recorded it in their closet because they did. <laughs> Is it, okay, isn't that so funny? I'm the same way. I uh, can now hear every once in a while, let, yeah, it'll play on Hulu or something. And I'm like, oh, that voiceover is not professionally done. That did yeah. not happen in a sound booth. And that's absolutely true, which is also great for, you know, those who don't have the expensive voiceover stuff, because then we have the chance of actually being hired for those because they need a lot more of those. And so it's, but it is funny to hear where like, oh, that's clearly with done in a closet and the engineer did their very best to make it as professional sounding as possible. (laughs) um, But going back to your thing, it's just like, and I've noticed that as the months go by and sometimes these months feel feel like years in between that, you know, having a hobby or multiple hobbies is an essential thing. So then, because if you start telling yourself and you're telling your friends, you know, when you have ketchup, they're like, oh, I'm bored. That's a very dangerous place to be because it's like, we are only three months in and from the way things are looking, 
you know, especially when I talk to my family in South Korea or like, you know, mm-hmm. friends who are doing much better of their pandemic. And even then they're freaking out. Like I know South Korea freaked out not too long ago that they had, and like they had like 40 new infections and they were mm-hmm. freaking out about 40 new infections. And I'm like, 40 <laughs> try thousands thousands right. every single day it's so Ooh. i'm just like wow um so if those countries are freaking out about like like two digits like you know mm-hmm. or beijing recently had like 27 and they shut everything down they're like we can't we gotta shut it down all oh, movie theaters everything's done and here in california we're like oh we got like six thousand new cases hey let's keep going let's let's have these movie theaters and all that now we have our bar shut down but like you know that's it but hobbies are important because like this we are in it for the long haul like this you know if we think if people think that we're going to be out of this by august or september it's like no you, you know i'm going to be i'm going to be the pessimist and say you know until until the vaccine comes and that and then we're talking about like next year then we're talking about this is becoming our way of life especially if now tv executives are getting excited about tapping into the zoom genre of just like the zoom tv john i'm like this is a terrible black mirror future or rather it is not a black mirror future it is the current present timeline that we are in some sort of black mirror episode where we are having you know you and i are having this interview through zoom and you know in a more happier times we'll probably be in person and be like hey yeah how are you yeah shake hands do all that out i'd have poured you a cup of coffee it would be a whole thing yes and so that's where hobbies is just like you have to find it you absolutely yeah. have to find it because uh, it is very real that like the 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 fact that you can be depressed by it you can be upset or you can be like just very like listless and you know just like restless and all these kind of things and obviously not to add to the pandemic is obviously the racial injustices that have been happening in this country in the past few weeks not just past few weeks since ever but now, right. especially really being uh, brought to the, the media, uh, to the, the front stage now. And so it's just like, you know, it is, you know, it can be a very depressing, hard time. And then you, you know, every single day you just watch the news and just some outrageous crap is happening or just like, you know, and so it can get, it's very easy to be bogged down by it, which that's where I'm like, not only do hobbies play a factor, but like, you know, just the ability to, the necessity to turn off your social media because mm-hmm. you have to. And it's like, you know, but then, you know, it's hard because it's like, you kind of want to be in the know, but then it's kind of like, it's, it's just so much depressing information out there, which now I'm seeing arguments, especially if a lot of the stuff is about racial injustice and seeing the atrocities that are happening that, you know, uh, I had a hard conversation and someone reminded me and I was like, no, it's true. Is that like, that when for a good number of us, that when we say, oh, it's so hard to hear that, or it's so terrible to hear that. And then someone brought up, I was like, that's a privilege that you have, that you can say it's hard to hear. And you go, you know what? I'm going to turn that off because I don't like it. And I'm like, that is a privilege because for certain people, especially for um, Black Americans or you know, for people, the BIPOC communities, that is not a privilege to turn off things. It is their life. It is like, you know, every day, they are reminded of it, whether it's like a simple act of just walking down the street or just getting pulled over by a cop because you went like 10 miles over the speed limit. That is a reality where they have to question, is this the day that something's going to happen to me? And for people like me or you, like, you know, for you, frankly, light skinned people, it's not, we're not going to be thinking about it. I'm more going to be thinking about, oh, come on, man. What now? That that's gonna be my thought. That's just gonna that just, but that's not gonna be a thought that a lot of people will have. And so, that's where I had to, you know, like when you see the hard news, instead of just being like, oh, it's such a, you know, bummer, and it's just just to really sit there and look at it and process it. And that doesn't mean to constantly be inundated with like, you know, constantly looking for the bad stuff that's happening in the world, but to not look at something and just be like, oh, you know, I don't want to deal with this. Just be like, okay, I'm going to look at this and deal with it. And now what I'm grateful about, you know, this is where actors do play a wonderful part. And it's probably because we have nothing to do and we have all this free time. The, the, the most passionate activists I've seen are actors. Like it, right? It's, it's great. Because it's like- I feel the have, same way. We don't have jobs. So it's just like, you know, we, so they go out 
they go out and protest. Or if it's like you can't protest physically because, you know, you have a health condition, which is totally fine. It's like, you know, they have, you know, all the work that requires, whether it's having the hard conversations with their relatives, their family, or mm-hmm. sending out emails or send, making phone calls. You know, there are things that can get you passionate to do something or just be reading stuff or learning stuff. It's like, you know, Yale still has their free class on African-American history that anyone can take. You just have to just go online and just subscribe and then you get all the materials and you're basically in like a classroom setting. And so there are, this is the opportunity where I think like, you know, the, the normal that we had before, whether as actors or just people in general is gone. Like that's yeah. not, and so when people say, oh, I want to go back to that normal, I'm like, no, that's not where we want to go back. That's how we got here in the first place. And so it's like, what can we do as actors? And this is tying to like, what can we do productively? So if it's like, it's not so much acting things, but I think this also feeds into an actor because being an actor is you, you are re- reflecting life. You're reflecting the world around you. And so what better way, the world is happening right now. Like, you know, you see the people who are going out to protest, you see the, the passion, you see like the horrible stuff that has happening between the protesters and the police and all these things in between. And it's happening right there in front of you. And it is our job as actors to be observers, to take notes, to know what's happening. And if it, especially if it's like the, like, you know, whatever political affiliation with you, it's to see if you can really understand from the other perspective. And that's how I think, honestly, and this is, it could be the whole kumbaya thing where like if we all just learn about each other and get along the world would be a better place and i'm like ah, there is a truth to that because it's like you know you know whether you are you know you support trump and you don't understand the other side like oh there's damn liberals and or you're a liberal and be like oh my god there's there's terrible trump people and it's like but as actors you know we, we sometimes audition for parts for people that are so not us like you know if i had to audition for a serial killer it's like you know you have to understand like how, why did that person get there and so this is where i think actors can do the part of just like trying to understand it and i know in the end it could be more difficult than it sounds because sometimes yeah. it just is no way it's just like there's no connection like i don't see how it's even possible and that's fine but i think it's best that we try to make an effort try to make an yeah. effort well, I feel like having uh, developing empathy for people you don't yet understand is like a life skill we could all really work on right now. Yes. I am absolutely trying to. I also think there's something about the the big epic Black Lives Matter, like the tipping point happening during this time, I think was also kind of magical in a way because a lot of us have the time to fully like you know, dive right in. Like I've read more books. I've seen more documentaries. I feel like been a part of an education that was years behind that. I'm so lucky. I have the time to really learn now. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like American history. Uh, And so many people have told me that like I've learned more in the past two, three weeks than I've learned in my entire life. And I'm like, it's true. It's absolutely true. And it's just like, you know, and for it's and that's something that like it was funny that like I kind of knew to some degree because like if you ask anyone in who took like a who took like a uh, ethnic studies course or they're an ethnic studies major that is kind of like you know what they learn about they just learn about all the hidden stuff America did not tell you about in your classrooms and they're telling you about it here like so you know their history like if you take a Lat- Latino studies and you start to realize like the stuff about the Zoot Suit riots or like the injustices that Latino Americans faced in America to like the Asian Americans to then like, you know, the African Americans to then like the LGBT community and learning about how the Stonewall riots really happened. It's just Mm -hmm. like, there's so much information for each specific minority community that American history, just the generalized homogenous, you know, shall we just say the white hetero male patriarchal system does not tell you about in this country 
And, and so you can it's like, bet your ass when this finally wraps up sometime next year, when everything finally goes back to filming, guess what movies we're going to make? Guess what TV shows we're going to make? Like yeah. those are the stories that we are going to get to tell. So I'm so excited that I, I, and you know it, right? You know, the scripts are being written right now that we are, the scripts are finally selling right now that were already yes. written that no one bought. And, and you know that we're going to have just an, a deluge of, of shows on these topics and movies on these topics. And I'm so excited and I'm really excited to know what it is now and not have to read about it in a script and say, oh my God, did you hear about this? Yeah. And I think that's, that ties into some of the other thing that I was like, oh, it would be cool to talk about that. And we, we were already diving into it and just like, this is the opportunity where this is the time where it's like, you know, people are really speaking about like, you know, the things that didn't work, especially if we're talking about as us as actors, we're talking about the Hollywood industry or the theater industry. And like, who were the gatekeepers? And like, we've always known about the gatekeepers. Like there was always statistics, like 95% of like Hollywood executives are white men. You know, those are the kind of things that we've known about. But now because of, in a way, you know, because of what started with George Floyd and just kind of spilled over from there is just a reckoning of sorts of just like, this is the kind of stuff we cannot tolerate. Not just as like, you know, BIPOC as people of color, but also as women, as also as part of the LGBT community, like what, you know, what is stuff that we like tolerated for a while, whether it's like, you know, as simple as our classroom or acting classroom. And we're like, that teacher is a, like a misogynistic, racist, homophobe, like, but we took it because he's the teacher. He, you know, that's something that's just, it's just the norm of it. Or not just like acting teacher, but like your workplace, you know, your corporation or, you know, whatever you do and you took it. And now, you know, I'm, I'm so glad to see not just with like, because uh, I know I had something with my former acting school where Ashley Platts and I used to go to, but also, mm-hmm. uh, but also like stuff like USC. USC is having a reckoning of their own. Like it's just like it's, and all the students who are there are like speaking out about it and they're not afraid. And I think what's great to see is just like, not just like, you know, you know, just this effect in minority communities, but like, you know, white people, white people who are like, shit let's talk about this let's really like speak out about this and being like i'm not afraid to you know and then i see like the facebook arguments that they will literally have with their uncle or their aunt or their sister and be like you know when they say dude white people are the problem right now and then they just go at it they just go at it i'm like oh popcorn all right this is great right (laughs) and i realize i'm having the same conversations with my asian community because it's just like, you know, just like, you know, they're like, oh, those thugs, how dare they do all those things? Or what are they so angry about? You know, racism is over, blah, blah, blah. And so it's those kind of things that, you know, you address and you point out. And it's just great to see not just like the youth of a generation, but it's great to see like people of all ages, like, you know, deciding to be like, you know what, I'm, I've been so quiet all this time. I'm going to go speak up about it. And I'm like, you know, I know some people are like, oh, you're speaking about it now. And I'm like, look, better now than never. Better now that they are speaking about it. Because I know this is where, like, there's, like, this weird, like, dick measuring contest. Like, who is more activist? Who's more woke? That kind of thing. Right. And- because we can't just do we can't just do one thing altogether. It has exactly. to be, like, they search your Instagram feed. And if you didn't post a black square, you're obviously a terrible person and blah, blah, blah. And it's yeah. just, like. And I think it's just, like, you know, it's it's not to say oh you know to give them like a trophy award for doing something so simple but just to be like if you especially have been doing it longer you see that and go that's awesome hey check out these resources i think it'll help in terms of like if you're interested in learning more it's like yes it's kind of like it's like you know it's like oh you did like a simple computer you know like a like a little cute mission and then it was go cool you finished that would you like to know more and so it's always one of those things that um I want to encourage people to do is just like to not like, you know, admonish those who just started, you know, the revolutionary movement, but also to encourage and like, okay, let's, let's keep going with this path. Yeah. For, for an act, for a true activist to be a motivator um, is, is, you know, really nice, especially because I have a lot of friends like, like Ashley Platts has always been so, so, you know, open and she's so sharing and she's such an activist. And I, I've, I haven't been as vocal about a lot of things before, but 
for her to be like randomly sending me an article or this or that, or being like, great, love this. I'm going to share it. It, it. it pushes me to do more and learn more instead of just being like, oh, you never did this before. So you would actually don't count. Yeah. Now. I mean, it's funny you say, mentioned her. Cause like, it was like, I think five hours ago, she sent me like an Instagram and said, Hey dude, it's like one of those simple things where all you literally do is like swipe up and then it'll literally send you to your email. And then it already has the email addresses. You fill it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. People so, are genius, by the way. <laughs> that is so smart. <laughs> so this is where it's like activism plays a part in terms of not just as actors, because this is where like, I know I've had arguments with people where it's just like, you know, acting should just be about acting, no politics involved. And I disagree with that. I think, you know, you look at like, you know, the plays and the movies that have stuck with us for generations. And what were they? They were about the time. They were about, you know, trying to make a statement like, you know, Oh, for example, like one of the most famous plays about the, the LGBT movement, it was Normal Heart, Larry Kramer. Larry Kramer was an extremely political man. He was extremely outspoken. And a lot of people thought he was an asshole, which he was, but he got the job done. Like he made the noise pop and the Normal Heart play was an example of just, it was a wake up call to be like, hey, this AIDS epidemic is happening and you guys need to pay attention to this. And it did that. And that's what Normal Heart did because it made a mark on that. And so the ones that stood the test of time have all been political in some way, shape or form. And so to say that actors are not political people, and this is not to say that actors are only like the progressive types, you know, you know, I think it definitely says something about that actors are passionate about something. And I think our world, we're going to like the whole worldviews, it's just like, you know, we have to be good actors we have to understand the world. And yes. so. Yeah. And I the, think the, the term political sometimes turn people off because they automatically think Republican Democrat debate and they think of old men government. And I think political is about having a firm stance on something and having an opinion. I think it's, it's so oh, yeah. much more than that, you know? And I would say like one of my biggest inspirations, like this is a woman who has like walked the talk for decades is like Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda has been an, an immense activist for like probably like 40, 50 years. She's still at it. You know, you know, you know, she's wearing her amazing outfits. And then next thing you know, she's like being handcuffed. She then she's like, oh yeah, you know, I was just protesting about the environment or like, you know, about racial injustice and she's doing it. And I'm like, good for you. You're like, I don't know how old you're like 70, 80 years old and you're still doing that thing. And so it's like anyone who's like, oh, I don't, I, I don't do that. I'm like, well, look at her, man. She's just, She's fucking on the streets all the time. So right, um, <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's so so. We're about at our time for today. So, with all this being said, with the amazing things that are happening, you know, in in terms of movement, in terms of uh, education, all those things. But then with the pandemic that is pushing back our industry, um, and everyone who doesn't wear a mask should have their Netflix password revoked. That's my personal opinion because you're going to run out of content at some point. Um, we'll, what do you want people to know? In, hmm, what do I want people to know? What do you want to leave people with today? <sighs> okay. Um, it's funny you asked that and now all of a sudden like a lot of thoughts came in, but okay. Um, as basic and simple as it sounds and almost, almost cheesy as it, but I, but I believe in it is that especially in these times, it is especially important to, to be kind to each other. Um, I know it's very easy to, and you know, I'm very guilty and I'm still guilty of it to be outraged and to be furious at someone and just be like, you know, to rain fire upon them. And sometimes they deserve it. And sometimes, you know, when they need to get the, you know, the firm hand, they, you know, they need it. But, but then for you as an individual, if you're constantly angry and all the time and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it because there's so much to be angry about in this world, it's to remember to take care of yourself, which is why I'm grateful for, you know, this, this is why I'm going to have to give another shout out to Ashley class. You know, I'm grateful for people like her, you know, she's always doing her yoga classes and, you know, I hate yoga. I think yoga is like a terrible thing to do, but I realize <laughs> there's, there's value in it because it's like, you really do have to like, put your mind elsewhere and not focus on whatever's bothering you. You have to like, just focus on whatever movements you have to do and just kind of like be at peace at least for like 45 minutes to an hour. And then you're back at it again, but it is important to take care of yourself or to check in with people who, 
And my, my girlfriend did a great job because we had like a weekly like Zoom chats with our friends. And usually we just talk about all the crazy stuff and then all that. But then she, you know, she came on and then she asked everyone, which, you know, kind of put everyone to pause, like, you know, almost like what you did. You, you leave it at like, how are you feeling today? Like, how are you doing? And not just like a simple like, oh, I'm good. But just like, how are you really? Like, yeah. are you okay? Like, if you're not, to say so. And then I know my partner did that to me because I was like trying to like, for a good while, I was kind of like not showing any of it until I think I almost broke last week. And then she was like, okay, what's going on? You're acting really weird right now. And I just told her, I just kind of like this, this stream. And I think I, and I, there was one part she was a little bit shocked by. I was like, no, this, I genuinely thought I was like for, I could tell you for about three or five seconds, I genuinely felt suicidal. Like not the whole like emo suicide, like the scary kind. It's the no emotion. Just like, what if I just did that? Mm. And it lasted for five seconds, which for, you know, for people who have this more often can feel like an eternity. But that five seconds was something these thoughts did not, I haven't had these thoughts in like years. Or just like the kind of thought where like, what if you just ended life right now? Like you just did that. And then I thought about it and then I was grateful to myself that after those five seconds, the rest of my mind kind of like kicked in and was just like, okay, okay, whoa, 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 let, let, what's going on here? Let's talk about this in my own mind. And then of course, it's just ad addressing your own, you know, the things you should be grateful for, the people that you have in your life. And then the fact that, did you talk about this with anyone? You didn't talk about this and you're only talking about this with your own head right now. And so... And so I was grateful that my partner like kind of had to like egg it out of me and be like, there is something wrong with you and you need to talk about it. And, I, and then I finally did and just kind of became like, <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I will leave with is that's like, you know, in this time, it's like, you know, it is good to be continuing your passion as an actor, but it is also to take care of yourself as a human being, to take care of others because, you know, they can say they're okay. I don't think they are. And if they, if they are fine, it's fine too. Cause I know my girlfriend was offended when someone was asking her, Josephine, I don't think you're okay. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm fine. Cause she naturally doesn't like humans. She prefers <laughs> animals over, and she's an introvert. So she has no problem staying in, you know, this lifestyle is not an issue for her, but mm -hmm. I'm definitely more of an extrovert. So this, I start to feel like, Oh God. Oh no. Actors. Oh, I, I, uh -huh. I want to do a job. And so, you know, there are all these things that happen all the time. And so it's good to, you know, if you are that person who is just constantly freaking out, it's to just find someone who is kind of like my partner, who is the opposite of that. You got to find someone who is like the tether, the someone who is the reality checkpoint and just be yeah. like, dude, calm down, man. You know, it's fine. You know, yeah. you know, especially if there are things to be grateful, you start to think the most basic things like, you got a roof over your head, you got food, you got this, you got some money coming in. And I know that's going to be a reality that's a good number of us won't have, you know, especially with like, you know, evictions becoming a more and more present thing as the, you know, the pandemic money, the, the EDD money is running out for a lot of people that yeah. this is a reality that is going to be crushing down on them hard. And so it's like for, for those who are still privileged to have that is to really like remember that to remember your privilege that you have a roof that you are healthy you're safe you have loved ones you have all these even if it's as you know even you have to do a zoom call because you can't see them in person because they are at high risk or just like you know they're just concerned about their health it's like you have those and to utilize it to like to check on them and i think that's what i'll leave with you in terms of just like to take care of yourself and to take care of others but also to keep doing the good fight and to not be afraid of when, you know, you have pushback when people are saying, Oh, how dare you say that Sam? How, that's so what? And just be like, to not be afraid and to do all those things together. And I think that is how, as long as we continue to that, that we will, we will get out of this. I don't know how long it'll take. It could be next year or two years from now, but I think, you know, as long as you have the mentality, keep it up, and check in with yourself, then I think that's how we're going to get through to the other side. And that's where we're going to leave it today because that's really good. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this. That was awesome. Thank you for having me. 
And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Edward, thank you so much for your time. I really think that we all have to talk really realistically about what's going on in the business right now and find ways to make that positive. We have to find ways to fill our time with good stuff. And I think learning from other people right now who are in the thick of it is really important. I hope you guys found something positive coming out of this chat. I think, you know, we all have to really rely on each other for what's going on in the business and in the world right now because, you know, news isn't always super reliable. So thank you everyone for listening. Guys, check out next week because we are going to have a special episode on FICOR. We are talking with Sean Sharma once again and we are talking all things FICOR. I know this involves a lot of you coming up, so make sure you and your friends tune in to that episode next week. Guys, thank you so much for listening, for rating and reviewing this podcast. Remember, that's my birthday present. This podcast was created and hosted by myself, Sam Valentine, with production help from Helena Santos and Laurel Canyon Creative. Our theme song is by the impeccable Maggie Zabo. And I will talk to you guys next week.